Our team motto is team before self. And I know that may sound corny or sound cheesy, but to me, that's, that's what our program's all about. What can I do for the betterment of my team? What can I do to help my teammate achieve his goals? That was the head coach of the University of Vermont, Chris Fife. He's the guest on this week's Chasing the Goal podcast. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jack Piatelli. Jack, how we doing? Doing very well. Yeah, it's getting a little cold and time to put up the Christmas decorations. We're in that season, Kyle. We are. We are. And I don't think we get to say we're cold when we're talking to the head coach of the University of Vermont, Chris no, Fife, because sure. let me tell you what Lake Champlain is cold, my <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It is tough right now. Coach, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And it, it has been a warm fall. I will tell you that. It's been a warm fall. So we're, we're holding out for a warm spring. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I went to school at St. Mike's, for like a, which is down the road from UVM, for about a year and a half. And man, I there is February in in up up in northern Vermont is is no joke. But you guys have been making it work for a while since you've been there. Two great seasons. You're coming into 2023. What is the most challenging part of coaching at the University of Vermont? And what's the best part about it? I think the toughest part is probably scheduling. We're just trying to get people that want to, like you said, come up and play in Vermont in February without a conference games. So it feels like every single year we're kind of rebooting our out-of-conference schedule. But aside from that, I mean, I, I love the cold. I think it's an edge, something that we use to our advantage. So outside of that, I, I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary. You start the season with a trip to the Dome. Going to Syracuse, your schedule just went up. We asked you right before we jumped on if your schedule was up. And it is. How, how did you swing that? That's a, that's a great game. Yeah. Well, back in 2018, we started scrimmaging Syracuse in the preseason just so that we could get a guaranteed game in an indoor facility, limit our injuries, play our whole roster, play some great competition. And I got to say, one of the biggest building blocks that we've used as a program was initially that first scrimmage with Syracuse. That really was a launch pad that we used to set the bar for ourselves, wh where we wanted to get to and, and how we were going to get there. And every single year, the scrimmage continued to progress. And then we eventually got it to a game in 2021. And, uh, and then just through constant communication with Coach Desco, Coach Gate, Coach March, Coach Petramala, we were eventually able to get them back on the schedule in, in 2023. So we're super grateful and, and super excited to, to go back to the most historic venue in college lacrosse. And you really do play a ton of teams in the region. You got BU, Brown, Harvard, UMass. And before you even jump into America East play, which now has the inclusion of Bryant and Merrimack coming in from the now defunct NEC, how different do you think your season's going to be with different these different teams in your conference and your expansion of the conference as it is? I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, we, we started playing Bryant back in, I want to say 2020, I believe, or 2021, and, and was a great game right away just because they play such a gritty, gritty, tough style. Coach Presser really put a culture there that is really strong, and we felt like it was a good matchups in terms of just mentality of the programs. Merrimack as well. They've, they've won at a high level and competed at the highest level, and they've always given us great games and scrimmages. And so we're really excited to have both of them in the conference. And this conference is a meat grinder. I mean, every year, you never know who, who's going to be good, and everybody is going to give you their best game. And we have some great coaches. So these two new programs are, are going to be great additions. I'm really bummed to lose Stony Brook just because I think Coach Gillardy's done an unbelievable job there. They're a tough, gritty team too. And 
We always love going out to the island every other year, but really excited about the current state of the league. Coach, you spent a number of years at North Carolina, and in terms of when you took over as the head coach at Vermont, did your philosophy in, in terms of your, your offensive game plan change at all? And if it did, tell us a little about that. It's a great question. Well, being a first-time head coach at Vermont, I really had to find my own way and, and, and try to lean upon past experiences. And when I first got here, I wanted to play more of an up-tempo style and do a lot of early offensive things that we did at North Carolina, learning from Coach Metzbauer and learning from Coach Myers and, and really wanted to maybe throw a, a new wrinkle to Vermont lacrosse. In our first year, we, it was a big learning year for me as a head coach, and it was a big transition year for the program. So we didn't have much success, to say the least, with trying to play this kind of up-tempo, freelance, early offensive style. And we really had to kind of figure out what would best fit our personnel and having a heavy dose of Canadians being pretty one-handed and, and, and trying to take advantage of that kind of helped us rethink our, our offense and where we wanted to initiate offense from, how we wanted to draw slides, how quickly we wanted to attack the cage in terms of transition and obviously in, in possessions. And so we kind of got away from a lot of the early offensive stuff and the traditional north-south field offense. And went much more to a wing dodging offense, a two-man game, a big little, and really just trying to be multiple. So not trying to be traditional, but also being multiple and finding other ways to score and make the defense, soften the defense, if you will, with our strengths. And defensively, have you changed your philosophy on the defensive side of the field? Not at all. I mean, I initially up until this year have, have coached the defense here at Vermont and it's been an amazing journey and to see the growth of our, our defense getting back to the top 10 year after year and goals against average and man down and we take a lot of pride in our defense and so I think a lot of the things that I learned at the University of Maryland and a lot of the time that I spent at North Carolina learning from Coach Bresci I was able to have a good skill set to build off of but ultimately the defense that that we play is is old school big boy defense we're not out here to be gimmicky we're not out here to create offense. And now in the shot clock era, especially, it really fits more so our style of defense and, and being able to force teams to beat our poles and force teams to win their matchup. And so defensively, I think we're pretty steady with our style. And even moving forward with, with Nick Rill as my new defensive coordinator, we'll pre be pretty similar. Looking at your roster, you look at some of the rosters throughout Division One lacrosse, and a lot of coaches have their sort of niches where they get a number of their players from. But you have players from Canada, Florida, Colorado, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Pretty impressive where you get all your players. How, how do you go about finding those players and, and, and manning, managing all, all of the, that and finding them? Well, thanks for saying that and, and noticing that. I mean, we have 21 different states and provinces represented, and, and we take a lot of pride in that. And Vermont as a school is over 70% out-of-state students. So it's a big destination school. So the key is really kind of leveraging your relationships. I mean, this business is a relationship business. And over my time in coaching, I've really built, built some great friendships and some great, some great trust with guys that I really value their opinion in terms of their players, whether it be their high school or their club team, or even within their state. And so I try to keep my finger on the pulse of a lot of different areas, but ultimately for us, it's about finding a smart, versatile, tough kids that have an edge to them, you know, and it's pretty simple. The, the recipe doesn't change. The state may change and where we look may change, but we can't eat from the same trough that all the, the traditional big boy schools are going to eat from because that would just be a waste of our time. We got to find ways to find hidden gems 
and, and find those kids that check the criteria that I mentioned. So you're bringing up a good point. It's not the state where they're from. It's their smarts and their ability and their passion, the commitment to play the game. Is it difficult to, to bring them all together because they are from different backgrounds? Well, I'm glad you asked that because honestly, that is one thing we feel is our advantage of our locker room and our culture. It really galvanizes our locker room when you have so many different areas represented because all of those kids know that there was something special about them that brought them here. And they all have this common belief that they can play with the highest teams and the highest players in the country. And this is the stage and this is the vessel that they're going to use to do that. And it kind of brings them together to say, hey, you know what? Maybe all these other schools didn't believe in us, but Vermont did. And we're going to do this together and we're going to make history. And so I love the fact that we're so distributed and it's something that we're going to continue to try to do moving forward. I'm sure it's great for the players, too, to get to know different parts of the, the country and where they grew up and just have a better understanding of different parts of the U.S. and the different programs that are available. You said it. I mean, <laughs> for instance, we have one of our Canadians is rooming with a kid from Northern Virginia. It's been such a cool connection to see those two guys, how close they are being from such different backgrounds. Right. The kid from Virginia is already wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs hat and he's his Christmas present to spend all of his Christmas money on flights to go visit Canada because he loves Canada so much. That's, so that's a kid from Willow, Virginia. Yeah. And then we have kids from Georgia and Atlanta that are meeting kids from Canada. It's, it's a whole different world. So I love seeing that kind of come together. I'm sure there's a lot of battles in the locker room in terms of uh, the, the rooting of their professional teams, right? In Toronto Maple Leafs and maybe you talked about maybe the Atlantic Falcons and so on. And so I'm sure there's a lot of bantering back and forth from player to player. A ton of that. It, do, it doesn't get old. It's not just Giants and Jets around here. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. Places, so. That's great. It's it's interesting. Like, I remember going up to Burlington and doing a story, I think, on your first season, 17 or 18? 18, yeah. My 18. second season. Second season, I was there, and I came back, and I turned in my story, and they were like, is Vermont going to be, are you saying Vermont's going to be good? <laughs> and, like, I'm, I remember sitting in the meeting. I was like, yeah. Like, they're actually pretty decent. Like, they have good players. Like, they have Canadians. They got they got these twin brothers who are really good, like all this stuff. And they were like, huh, really? And I was like, I guess we'll see. And uh, you guys had a great season and then had another great season. And I think at kind of culminating in, in 2021 and, and last year as well. So I think it's interesting, the trajectory of, of UVM, because I, as someone that grew up in the state right next door, I like to bring this up a lot. I'm a New Hampshire kid, but Vermont was is very different from New Hampshire and people don't realize that. They think, oh, they're right next to each other. They're probably the same. Not the same at all. Very different like ideologies and places and growing up. And and Burlington is is really like the one constant that's kind of the same between both states. Like all the places that I thought were cities were Burlington sized. They're not real cities. They're not like New York. They're not like Boston. <laughs> like uh, growing up, I didn't know that. Like I'd be like, oh, I go to Burlington. That's kind of like a city. It's like two and a half hours away. But that's nothing's far when you live in one of these states. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about Vermont in, when I went to school there and, and coming to visit it as well is it's very like spread out. There's trees everywhere. It feels very homey, but there's also like a, a the lacrosse program I feel like is known in the area now. Like I, I feel like there are recruits and I know, I know you have experienced this where they're just like, oh, coach, what do you think about UVM? I think it, it's now you've kind of turned it in the last four or five years into a destination school. And I, I think it was more a destination school for academics before that, because it, it like you said, it is 70% out of state. That's mostly because Vermont has excellent academics across the board. 
Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, we we take a lot of pride in the academic side and being in the lacrosse world, you need to be able to compete in that arena when it comes to your business school or your various rankings. I mean, that's how you get your foot in the door with a lot of kids and and uh, academics is generally the first bullet point on their criteria for where they're going to choose. So we certainly try to leverage that and we have a lot of great merit scholarships that we utilize to to stretch our scholarship dollars as well. So great students is is a very important part of our process. I know. also know it's great student because I didn't get into UVM. That's why I went to St. Mike's. But let's talk a little bit more about the roster you've built, building on Jack's kind of points and questions. You've got kind of a strange sandwich here because you have a lot of upperclassmen that are seniors and graduate students, and you have 17 freshmen. And not a lot of sophomores and juniors, like there are guys that play in that mix, but not a lot. What's what's some of the, how did that happen? And what are some of the challenges that, that you have coaching that kind of mix of players? Yeah, great question. I mean, when we came to UVM, we obviously already had kids that were committed to come to school here. And we had a large, a large roster when we got here. So just the natural attrition and transition from one staff to another, and then sprinkling in your own recruits on top of the kids that already committed. And then if you kick the can down the road a couple years, I mean, we have walk-on tryouts every single year where I try to as a North, I, I don't, I won't get into this tangent, but as an in-state guy, I always want to give in-state kids a chance to try out for the team. So we always have open tryouts and then COVID happens and then kids are taking their extra years. We've obviously taken a couple of transfers over the years. And then in the last two years, we've had a number of guys that have all opted to come back for their, for their last year, for their fifth year. And so it's been kind of a weird mix with how many kids you bring in. You don't want to bring in too many, but you, you don't want to bring in a tiny class in case guys get injured. So last, last class, for instance, was a very small class. We only brought in eight kids. And then this year we brought in a couple more, but I think it was all based on the fact that we had so many guys that were playing meaningful roles for us that we didn't need to over-recruit. We didn't need to bring in, we don't want to have a roster where kids don't feel like they're competing for playing time or they can't improve as a player. And uh, so we got back to bringing in a bigger freshman class this year on top of bringing in one transfer to your, and, and having two walk-ons as well. So. It was really a 13 person class per se. And we sprinkled in a couple at the end just because we had an off season injury. We had some things that you just can't account for. So hopefully moving forward, we'll get our, our roster size back to bringing in 12 kids a year, but you always want to leave a couple spots open for a walk on and a transfer. And uh, one of these guys that I forgot to mention this when I said I was doing the story, it was Per Anders Alter's first season. And I pitched a story on him to my editors and they were like, this kid doesn't exist. And I was like, no, he does. He's like, they're just going to add him to the roster. Like, don't worry, he's going to be there. And they're like, we can't. And I wrote uh, a right in the write-up. I had a paragraph about him and it got cut out because they didn't think he was real because <laughs> they didn't think a kid from Germany was going to play at the University of Vermont. And I was like, no, dude, I saw him. He was there. He was playing. He's back as a graduate student. I assume COVID definitely kept him out for a couple of years, but so great to see him back. And now I can put it in their face that he's real and I hope he gets some game time this year. But can you, can you tell me a little bit about, about that story with, with Pear? Yeah. Pear was a kid that we saw early in our time here on film. He hadn't played field lacrosse. He played a lot of box over in Germany and we loved his box film. It fit very well with our Canadians and we felt like he was going to make us better just with his skill set and being able to give us different looks in practice and be able to fit within kind of our newer offense. And he's a guy that he's a huge culture guy. I mean, people love him. He, he, he knows more about American culture than a lot of Americans do. Like I love sitting in my office with pair and talking about old hip hop or talking about just different things that are really 
it's really interesting to hear from a German, but also he's a latch rat. He's a, he's a junkie. He's a guy that just lives with a stick in his hand and he's just a pleasure to be around every day in the locker room. And he's, he's fighting for playing time for sure every day in practice. And he's been playing really well lately. So you may see him this year. You never know. Really love shouting, shouting guys out like that. Cause sometimes I think one of the cool things about lacrosse is all these stories that there are out there that like it's kind of up so there's not that many people that do what I do. So we have to kind of like hunt them out and talk about them. And luckily we have the podcast to do that in a lot of different ways as well. So happy to happy to bring him out and talk about him a little bit. You have a whole new staff basically under you. You you mentioned Nick Grill and Danny Murphy as well, joining you guys up in Burlington. I know that search was long because I know a lot of people that applied for those. So can you kind of tell me how those guys fit into your philosophy and what they're bringing to your program now? Yeah, that's a great question. Aside from the initial transition to Vermont, um, this was definitely my hardest summer as a head coach with having to replace actually three, my volunteer and both of my assistants who had been here for six years. So that was my first time having to really replace three people. And it was very, very difficult because both of the guys that left, they didn't leave until midway through the summer. And so that just made the search difficult <clears throat> with where we're located geographically and my ability to go recruit as well as interview people and do that, do my due diligence. So again, kind of about your earlier recruiting question, I really had to rely on the relationships with other people that I trust in terms of checking the background on these guys and a lot of different guys. But Ultimately, I feel like I got the best two available assistants in the country. I really mean that. But with Nick Grill, it was I, I obviously, who doesn't know Nick Grill? The hair, obviously being the Big Ten Defenseman of the Year, a great story about a guy transferring to to Maryland and, and becoming their top defenseman and a guy that, you know, maybe doesn't eye test wise jump off the page per se, but he's an absolute dog when he plays and just how he carries himself. And I just know that he's a guy who enjoys the game and enjoys teaching the game. And he's a very much a very hands-on instructor. And I love that. And I think you have to be that way, especially with defense. I mean, he's doing it at the highest level still, playing in the PLL at LSM, which he never even played in college. So I think that says a lot about him, not only versatility-wise, but his willingness to do whatever the team needs. And so that's a great representation of who we want our leaders to be and what we want our team to look like. And then with Danny Murphy, I didn't see a lot of tough games as I've been coaching. And I didn't know a lot about this guy, Danny Murphy, the three-time All-American at Tufts. But again, a very close friend of mine put him on my radar and just said, hey, you really want to take a look at this guy. He, he's a top-notch individual, not just as a lacrosse coach, but as a human being. He's a guy that you want representing your program. And Coach Coach Bernhardt, my former offensive coordinator, is a D-Midi in the pros and did a phenomenal job with my offense. Don't get me wrong. I was also in this new search though, looking for maybe a true offensive guy, someone that could really get hands-on with, like you said, all of these young offensive guys that we're bringing in and having a guy that was an ex-attackman at Tufts, I couldn't think of a better fit for a guy that plays with tremendous passion, plays with tremendous skill, likes to have a player run offense in an up-tempo style. And so when I met with Danny through the interview process, I felt like of maybe all the candidates I talked to, he showed the true most passion of wanting to come to Vermont, a guy that really wanted to be a part of this thing. And that came out through the Zooms that we did. And so the guys are really thriving with them already in just a couple months that they've been here. And I'm just really excited about both of them and, and building kind of a new, new path forward with them. We're going to take a quick break, but there's more Chasing the Gold podcast on the way. This winter, Piatelli Lacrosse has a great way for you to stay in shape and play lacrosse. 
Kyle, yes. Starting in January, we have box lacrosse leagues for youth and high school. Players of all ages at two convenient locations in Agawam and Taunton, Massachusetts. The up-tempo pace of box lacrosse is an excellent way for players to learn to play faster and develop new skills that will make you more effective on the field in the spring. And coaches will be provided for each game, and all players will take part in mini clinic prior to the game where we will work on different box lacrosse skills. Make the most of your offseason, play some box lacrosse. This program is open to all interested players. For more information on our Winter Box League, visit www.piatellilacrosse.com. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Massachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Massachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to Massachusetts.com. That's laxachusetts.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to LaxJournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on Club Lacrosse, College Commits, Prep and high school, Division One, Two, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. Coach, growing up in the area when I was a kid, high school and even college and beyond college, when you talked about the University of Vermont, if you mentioned University of Vermont, if you talk about the hockey program and, and the basketball program, now back 10 years ago, I know the facilities weren't uh, anything special at the University of Vermont. They really didn't have a commitment to the University of Vermont. So my question is, why did you take the position? And, I, and, and obviously, they made a great commitment to the program. Did you know coming in that, that you had the possibility of being as competitive as you are today? That's an interesting question. Well, the first thing is I, I spent a lot of summers in upstate New York as a kid at, on the other side of Lake Champlain at a camp called Camp Dudley. So I was familiar with the area in the summer months, and I knew I loved this part of the country. So that was what really kind of caught my initial attention. But coming up to Vermont, what I knew that it was ripe for growth. It was ripe for opportunity, and it was a place that 
hadn't seen a, not a lot of national prominence when it came to lacrosse. I mean, they hadn't won a conference championship. They hadn't been to the NCAA tournament. They've never had multiple All-Americans in a year, Twarton nominees in a year. I mean, we've, we've continued to check off milestones as we've been here. And so I wanted to do something that other people hadn't done. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't come to a place like Vermont, especially a Southerner like myself, that maybe we scared away by the weather or, as you said, maybe facilities or having to practice outside all the time. But those are things that I felt like I could really cut my teeth and show what I can do when there's no previous blueprint of how to do things. And so I felt like this program is just right for opportunity. And it was a good fit for me to come in and really make some mistakes and learn as I learn as I go. But also to, to, to answer the last part of your question, some of the best experiences that I've had at North Carolina, especially have been with Canadians and I love Canadians, Canadians, recruiting Canadians. I love Canadian families. I love their, their, their love for the game. I love that it's a blue collar sport in Canada and you know what you're getting with those guys. And so I felt like being this close to the border, I felt like we could do something really special with that Canadian influence and, and even grow it even farther than we did in North Carolina. And you see what Denver has done out West with recruiting British Columbia. I really felt like, why can't Vermont do the same thing out East with Toronto? Why can't we do the same thing out here? And uh, we're the biggest sports team on campus, just like at Denver. And so for uh, in a long-winded answer, I just felt like Vermont was a place that was only scratching the surface of what it could become. And if you're not someone that's going to get caught up in, in the shiny facilities, facilities don't win you games. They're nice. They're icing on the cake. But having been in North Carolina for seven years and having played at Maryland, I know what facilities can do for you and not do for you. And it ultimately comes back to the people. It comes back to the coaches. It comes back to the players. It comes back to the alums, the parents. And this is a program that has a lot of pride and a lot of great support and people that want to see us succeed. So it just means you got to put the hard work in and you got to have someone that's willing to, to do that. And I was willing to step up. Yeah, there's always a little bit of a, unfortunately, shot and Freud on my head because of UNH not having a team. And I, that's totally turned around since, since you've been there and, and getting to know you as a coach and watching your teams play with, I mean, you've had some incredible players come through in, in your time there. You still have Tommy Burke as a senior this year. I mean, as a face-off guy, just one of, and I've met him in person, one of the funniest dudes ever. I think there's like an iconoclast element to UVM. I, and I think you, you do embody a little bit of the spirit of Burlington, which is kind of like, if you're listening to this in another part of the country, it's kind of like, it's like Austin is in Texas a little bit. Well said. It's yeah. very, it's very, it's, it's weird, but in a good way. It's, it's very different. And to me, I, I love places like that. And I like programs that kind of embrace where they are. That kind of being said, you have that facility outside your your offices where you are now. Are there any plans to kind of build anything a little more like turf-based that are indoors? Are you, are you looking into that? Is that something the school's going to do or is there other facilities nearby that you can go to? Well, for, for starters, we just replaced our, our game field last summer. We got a brand new turf field and on Virtue Field from a really good turf installer, the same people that did the Carolina Panthers stadium. And they put in a really quality product, one that's just much easier for us to maintain and keep our players safe year round. And I know that sounds like really common knowledge, but you'd be amazed at the different types of turf and how some are better than others. And so we invested in a really good field. That was the first thing. The second thing is our current facility is undergoing a $95 million renovation that started right before COVID. So we're getting all new offices. We're getting a new weight room. We They've already done I want to say $22 million worth of construction and COVID interrupted it, obviously. So it's just going to take a little longer to get finished. 
But in the next two years, hopefully you'll be seeing some, some really cool upgrades to Patrick Gym. They're basically going to quadruple the rec space for regular students at Vermont and our student athletes. And then they're also going to build a brand new training room, some, some really nice, some upgrades that our guys will really be utilizing. So I'm, I'm excited about the things that are coming. It's just taking a little longer because our construction season is a little bit smaller window up here. You talk about academics, coach, and how important it is in your, your, your athletes. Tell me a little bit, I don't, not that familiar with the programs that are offered and what are, what are your, some of your athletes studying at the University of Vermont? Well, business is by far and away our most popular major. The Grossman School of Business here is certainly the shining star of our academic portfolio. The business school over here, they just underwent, I want to say, a $40 million renovation. Beautiful business school that has great job and internship placement and with priority scheduling that all of our student athletes get, the majority of our business students are all in the same classes together. So I think that helps when they're doing all this kind of collaborative work in the business school. So we've gained a lot of traction there and we have a great reputation there because our guys care about doing well. They love their professors there. 98% of classes at UVM are taught by faculty, not TAs. So they're able to really connect with these professors and year after year, see these new lacrosse players come through. So business is, is definitely our most popular major guys that are also in what the CDAE, what they call community development and entrepreneurship. It's an offshoot of business without some of the prerequisites. And it allows you a little more time to minor in something like sports, sports management or coaching, or we have people that are taking um, communications and, and marketing, things like that. So we have over a hundred majors to choose from here. So you, you have a wide variety. You can almost make your own major. I think we're almost a victim of too many majors because there's not as many sections offered and so that makes scheduling difficult sometimes, but overall business is by far and away the most popular major. And you can really study almost anything you want from engineering to, to biology. We have a wide, wide variety. Coach, you're going into your seventh year, seventh year. Wow. I'm, I'm old. You feel old? Yeah. It went by quick, didn't it? Yeah. It went by real quick. You, you so you've been in the area for that long. How has Vermont lacrosse changed? Not UVM the state in your time there? Have you seen a difference in the development of players, athletes, and just the general amount of kids playing the game? Yeah, I really have. I think the thing that most impressed me when I moved to Vermont and was watching the local news was just how much they cover high school sports around here. Like high school football gets a ton of coverage. High school lacrosse gets a ton of coverage. I mean, they have sideline reporters at high school games around here with like shoulder mounted cameras getting like on the field footage. And I just think it shows the passion that Vermonters have for their high school sports up here. So when we first got here, there were a couple of Vermonters on the team, but we weren't really looking at Vermont for recruits. It just wasn't the first place we thought of. But every year that we've gotten here, we've recruited more and more Vermonters. We have two really good kids from Essex High School on our, on our team right now. And a really good kid, I mean, the, the Vermont's athlete of the year, Fen O'Hara, coming next year. He was a holderness now, but we're starting to see a lot of really good kids that are in our games and coming to our games. And we've, we've broken our attendance records in virtue field for, for our games last spring. And so just the amount of people that the people that I see in the stands, I can tell that we're really inspiring a lot more young guys. And I think it kind of came full circle when after our Marquis championship game last year, when I saw half our team, like on the stand side, signing autographs for kids. And I know that doesn't seem like a lot. Maybe if you're in Maryland or Virginia or North Carolina, that doesn't seem like a lot. But since I had been here, there was never a Vermont team that was signing autographs for kids. And I just thought that that was a great sign for 
how much these kids look up to Dave Klosterman's of the world, Thomas McCombie's of the world, Tommy Burke's. And a lot of our guys are actually coaching in local high school, sorry, local clubs in the area with both 802 and inside role. And so a lot of the kids, I think, are starting to see some of that spillover. But I mean, it's grown a lot. And I think there's still a, a long way to grow. And I think COVID kind of hurt some of the camp stuff we can do. And we're starting to, re starting to rebound from that. But hopefully moving forward, we can continue to, to bring in more Vermont kids to Vermont. Yeah, I, th I think it's important to note, too, the one thing that New Hampshire does share with, with Vermont is the, the disparate population centers, right? Like you, sometimes you got to drive an hour to go play a school that's the same size as you or a school in general. In certain areas of Vermont, you're, you're going to have to drive a really long way. So I think I was going to ask you about COVID as well, because it seems like it kind of really did have a, long, a longer lasting effect on places that weren't near big cities, that the the impact of it wasn't necessarily direct, but the indirect impact of it really hit a lot of different places. How has it really affected your program? Well, I'm really grateful because in 20, so 2020, we were picked to win our league. We started out the season three and one. We had some great scrimmages preseason against Cuse, Maryland, Bryant. Like I felt like we were really starting to turn the page. And then all of a sudden, like everybody just got cut off at the at the knees. And so we, we really tried to do our best to keep everybody involved while we were away from each other with Zooms and things like that. But you can only do so much. But coming back in 2021 and seeing how the Ivy Leagues didn't get to compete and just how many people got held out, I felt incredibly grateful despite all the stress that we had to go through with masking and small groups and not being able to use our locker room and not being able to use the weight room and do all these things. Like I felt super grateful that we even had a season. Like I'm, I'm being honest, like to win a championship in the COVID, the year after COVID was, it almost felt like twice as meaningful because we had been through such a tough time. It was so fresh in our minds. You're, you're right. Vermont is the second least populated state in the country. So it's very sparsely populated and most of the people come from out of state. So really what I saw the most coming out of COVID was just the businesses down. I mean, we live in a college town. We live in the biggest town in the state of Vermont. And so seeing so many businesses go out of business and so many restaurants shut down, was really tough. And I think the service industry and just like the things that make the town go took a big hit from every, from every walk of life. But in terms of just lacrosse itself, there really wasn't a lot of drop off. I thought it actually allowed us to, to really make a lot of hay during that, during that period and just put ourselves in a bubble and say, listen, man, we can't step out this side of this bubble. We're not going to have a social life, but let's just funnel all that energy and focus into lacrosse and getting better. And I think COVID actually turned out to be a big positive for us. I'd like to talk a little bit about your recruits in class. 17 freshmen, any of those 17 freshmen you plan on, you plan on having them have large roles this year in the lineup? A hundred percent. Every year that we've been here, we played freshmen at, at, at big positions. And this year is no different. It, and, and honestly, after all we graduated last year, we lost, I want to say we graduated 80% of our offense, offensive scoring. So there were some big shoes to fill and there are a number of freshmen that had tremendous falls. If you were to ask me, what am I most excited about, excited about coming out of the fall? I would probably say just our freshman class as a whole, they have really stepped up. We have some really high IQ, high skill guys that are very, <laughs> they're very capable of playing right now. So you're, you're going to see a number of freshmen playing for us in our first game. And it's exciting because it's really pushing these upperclassmen. The competition is maybe higher than it's ever been since I've been here. So yes, there will be a number, especially at the midfield, more so at the midfield than any other position. But yeah, I'm excited to see those guys against somebody else. 
Yeah, I've actually seen a number of these guys. I mean, Henry Dodge has the most iconic photo of last year. Winning the, uh, the title with Staples in Connecticut, he had like a, a bloody nose and he, like, they took a photo of him. We have it on, the, on laxerald.com and he's just smiling because they won. And he's just going to blood all over it. It's pretty, it's pretty weird, but it's, it's pretty awesome. Like bringing players like that into your program. I mean, I've seen Caden Paddleford. This dude just loves shooting. You know what I mean? Like helped, helped Wakona win the, the, the state championship in Massachusetts for divi- first year of Division Four. I've seen a bunch of these guys, and I know who's coming up that we can't talk about yet, too, for 24s and also 23s. It, it's an excellent group of, of players, and I think the one thing they all really share is like, they're excellent athletes. That's one of the things that I think you as a, a coach and a staff really kind of hone in on, at least in the New England regions. You pick great athletes, and the skill guys come from not necessarily other places, but skill is like coming from Canada, I guess, in a lot of places offensively. And then defensively, you're pulling from all over the place. So it's, it's definitely interesting to see. And, and you have a really eclectic roster, like we, like we said before. Going into 23, I would say your goals are probably the same, right? Let's, let's win the conference. Let's uh, get to the NCAA tournament and let's, let's wreck some house. And I, I think that's one of the things that draws people to Vermont. Like if, if you're a neutral fan and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't really have a D1 team to, to root for. Let me tell you something. Kind of fun to watch. They're fun. I mean, the, I watched the Utah game and the whole time, some of, sometimes it's more fun when everything's close and you're like pulling your hair out a little bit. So if you're like that kind of fan, like you'll like Vermont. They, they have a couple of those games a year. It's, it's a good team to watch. They're very fast. Generally, uh, the clearing is different. I'm trying to find a nice, nice way to say that. But you guys have an a interesting style of play that I think is very modern. And I think you bring in Danny Murphy in, bring in Nick Rillen. Nick Rillen's going to tighten up stuff at the back in the six. And then Danny Murphy is just going to put a ride in that ride him, turn him, man. You're going to have people yelling, ride him, turn him, just like Tufts. I guarantee you. So it's very excellent to be a Vermont fan. So that's my pitch to people listening to the, to the podcast is trying to watch some Vermont games. What, what about you, Jack? You ever watch them play? Yes, and uh, very skilled, especially at the attack position. That Canadian influence. And I was an attackman. I love watching attack play and, and the way they move the ball. And they're all good, great shooters. So they're able to, the Canadians, like no others, can find the time and space to, to get their, their shots off. And, and, and they can all, they, yeah, they learn how to shoot at, at, at an early age. And it's interesting, Coach, you talked about high IQ. And I, I think a lot of parents and players maybe misunderstand the value of IQ and having a, not only a good understanding of the game, but a good understanding of their, their position and, and their role and, and their strengths and weaknesses. And, and you've done a great job recruiting players. And I think it's becoming, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of tune here, but I think it's becoming more difficult to find the really talented, skilled athletic players who really understand the game. Yeah. I mean, that's <clears throat> coming from somebody that did not have a good lacrosse IQ going into college. I really value that. I really, people may say, oh, well, they have 21 different states or whatever. And yeah, they're getting this kid from California and he's just like this great lacrosse player. Well, we're not trying to get a kid from California that's just the best player on his, on a bad team. We're trying to get the smartest kid on that team that may have just been under the radar. We're really trying to find, and a lot of that correlation, and I have to say, I mean, I, a lot of the best students, a lot of these kids that are strong students, a lot of them, there's a strong correlation, especially offensively between the preparation piece and the understanding of what defenses are giving you and understanding their position and understanding your probabilities and understanding what a good look versus a bad look and a good shot versus a bad shot. And so 
I look, I look towards clubs that are used to winning or high schools that are used to winning coaches that are used to winning coaches that know how to, win. and I feel like that trickles down to their players and they have a culture and an expectation to win, not just, Hey, I want to get a sick highlight video together where I want to get mine or I want to have 15 shots a game. That's not going to help us achieve our goals as a team. We got to be a sum of all of our parts and we got to be multidimensional and you have to have a selfless individual that knows when, a, when it's his time to go to the, go to the cage and when it's time to set his teammate up. And so I think a lot of that IQ piece gets overlooked when you look at just athleticism. But like you said, it's more about looking at their background and kind of where they've come from that can kind of help you flesh out how smart they are as a player. And to your point, there is a correlation. If you're a good student, you tend to be a pretty smart lacrosse player and you're committed to your studies and therefore they're committed to becoming a better lacrosse player. And that takes time and it's a progress and film, willing to spend the time in film and lifting weights and, you know, managing your time as a student. So, you know, you have a good student, most cases you're going to have a pretty good lacrosse player. You said it. You said it. I mean, we, we compete with the Ivy Leagues and the NESCACs a lot for those types of kids because, yeah, there's great students. And like you said, if they have that dedication, that discipline in high school, it's really going to translate when they get on the field here in Vermont. In terms of admissions, what qualifies a student or what, what do they need in terms of academics? What are you looking for, SAT scores, to uh, be admitted to the University of Vermont? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, now that 2023 is a test optional year and moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see how much the test scores are utilized. But the first thing is we can't have guys that have C's on their transcript. We need as many A's and some B's as possible and no C's. If you have C's, uh, admissions does not look at that favorably. So oh, it's a sliding scale in terms of the, the class and things like that. But we try to we try to recruit as many kids over a 3.5 GPA as we possibly can so that we can get them merit scholarships. And so the three, five is basically the absolute lowest tier that they can get to, to, to even be eligible to qualify. So generally we want kids that have A's and B's, preferably A's. And in terms of test scores, it's just, it just depends on the, the index in terms of their scores versus their GPA. So it just changes, but again, we want the best students we possibly can. And we compete a lot with the IVs and the Patriot leagues for, for those types of kids. Now you said 70% of the students at the University of Vermont are out of state. But isn't it more difficult to get in to the University of Vermont as an out-of-stater? Out of I don't know if it's any more difficult. It's definitely more expensive, right, uh, right. significantly more expensive, just because we don't have a giant tax base in the state of Vermont. And so they really got to generate that money through out-of-state students. And so, yeah, it's not necessarily any more difficult for us to get kids in, especially being a student athlete. But it's a school where I feel like you have a really good balance. Like some majors are really, really demanding and really challenging, like an engineering, for instance, or like a like of chemistry, things like that. But then you also have kids that are just hard workers and overachievers and they can do just fine here in Vermont. We have great academic support and priority scheduling and things like that. And so I generally think that in college, you have so much less busy work that if you really buckle down and you stay dedicated and manage your time well, that you could, the number one key for us is going to class. So class is non-negotiable here in Vermont. So we, we, we check classes, we do random class checks. And if you want to do well in college, advice to any student athlete coming up in high school is you need to go to class. And it's almost learning through osmosis and having your professor see that you care. That's what we want to do is really put that impression out there that we are student athletes first. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best state schools in the country, just in terms of like, you can't populate it with everyone that lives in Vermont. If everyone lived, that lived in Vermont that was eligible to go to Vermont went to Vermont, they still would need more people. There's just not enough people. It's not like, I hate bringing it up again, but UNH where, you know, 
oh, you graduated from a school in New Hampshire, you can go to UNH for like six grand or 12 grand or whatever it is now. It was like that when I was a kid and it's like that now. So yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I think one of the things that, you know, is challenging about building a program that is like that is you really are competing and you said it Patriot league, I think is kind of now you have to be a Patriot league level academic Absolutely. and player yes. to go to, to UVM and, and a lot of the other schools in the America East, not to be disparaging at all whatsoever. They're not like that, right? The, the academic standards are, are a little bit different, shall we say? So yeah, it's, it's, it's to me, it just makes it more amazing that you've built this program that, you know, really was, I don't want to pretend like no one knew what Vermont was like we, we we all know, like it's, it's it was a mainstay of the America East. America East is an AQ conference. You're getting a spot in the national championship. You're getting into the tournament. But I think one of the things that has changed is like the really the the optimism around it and amongst recruits and also amongst locals. I mean, you coach a lot of Western Mass guys and Central Mass guys. I'm sure tons of your guys want to go to Vermont, right, Jack? Absolutely, Patriot League. It's again, it comes down to the the academics. You have a number of very good lacrosse players, but the problem is they're not focusing on the most important part of the admission and, and, and to be successful in life. And that's the, the academic piece. Right. And just America East, a couple changes coming in. How do you feel about those? I know it kind of, we, we kind of asked about the scheduling earlier, but you know, is more teams better? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think these two new, two new coaches coming in again, are both used to winning and uh, they, they run great culture programs. And I think just having some, a breath of fresh air is a nice little change of pace for our guys going to a different, different school every other year and competing, I think is a lot of fun. And so I think more competition, the better, and we're not overlooking either one of these teams because we've already been playing them. Right. But for some people, I mean, they're going to be surprised. I mean, both these teams are capable of punching in the mouth any given day. And so we're just excited to have another challenging league or another challenging year, I should say. Coach Kyle and I have done, I don't know, a number of podcasts now. And for the first time, a coach has actually said that you're looking for players that know how to win. And very interesting point because there is a difference from winners and non-winners. Guys who know how to win and what it takes to win. And really, to win, you have to be a good teammate, right? You have to understand that it's not about you, it's about us. In order for us to be competitive, we have to work together. You said it. I mean, our team motto is team before self. And I know that may sound corny or sound cheesy or whatever to you guys, but to me, that's, that's what our program's all about. It's about being a selfless teammate. What can I do for the betterment of my team? What can I do to help my teammate achieve his goals? And ultimately, when you're more focused on helping your teammates be successful, you're not putting that pressure on yourself. You're not playing tight. You're not playing selfish. You're, you're, you're doing the things that it takes to, to win. Lacrosse is a team game, man. And so the more we're focused on our teammates and focused on other people, the more successful we're going to be. And, and winning, you're exactly right. It doesn't come down to one guy winning for his team. It, it comes down to a common, a common sacrifice and, and a shared sacrifice. And that's what I think great teams do. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Always fun. I love seeing the brick wall in the back. It's, it's, I, I went and visited his office and I was just like, oh, this is, I know what this is. This is like a building I, I'm familiar with. This is classic. Nice. Yeah. It's like, this was built a long time ago, but it's standing. Old school. Yeah. I love that stuff. So appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks very much, coach. Yeah, nice talking with you. Thank best you both. Lo- best really of luck this yeah, spring. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll definitely try to get up to Burlington and see if we got in the budget. We're going to push for it. So I'll call, uh, an email to, to, to uh, my boss might help, but uh, we'll see. I think it'll be fun. I want to go to Burlington. Welcome. 
It's uh, always fun. All right. Thanks again for listening to New England Cross Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. See you next time.